2: Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply.
1: We are off and a rolling here on Sports Talk February 2nd, Friday. The start of Mardi Gras. Pelicans on the road in San Antonio. Yes, Senior Bowl practices wrapping up. We got the game tomorrow. Also, the Pelicans playing in San Antonio tonight. I mentioned that. Also, gymnastics. Uh, the LSU Tigers have a big meet against Arkansas uh, LSU basketball tomorrow. LSU women's basketball. There's some always something to go on. There is no off season really.
3: Never. Sports, baseball. <laughs> I guess
1: in the like the what do you call it? The dog days of summer is like when we're really struggling for stuff.
3: Yeah, that's baseball.
1: <laughs> right.
3: Yeah. I mean baseball. Summer's baseball. We just don't talk about it down here unless it's about LSU. Anyway. Yeah. So I'm excited. I'm excited for draft season. I, I don't know, like well, that's. I spent this week at the Senior Bowl, and that's kind of so. I'm in draft mode. That's that's kind of what triggers it for yeah. me. It's like ah, Senior Bowl.
1: And we do plan on getting into more Senior Bowl talk this hour, but we're gonna be, I'm gonna be a good DJ right now. What's Play-dots. popping on the dance floor, right? And right now, everybody wants to talk about the news of Clint Kubiak being the target for the Saints. I'll say the main target, and I'm sure some kind of deal is in the works. Nothing can be announced. Right now, because the 49ers are preparing for the Super Bowl, folks. So. You know what's
3: funny? I, I always say David Carr instead of Derek Carr, but I never say Gary Kubiak instead of Clint Kubiak. Maybe it's because the names are so different.
1: Yeah, it's easy, too, with the double K, so I'm like, Clint Kubiak. Yes. It just it's goes catchy. together well. Right, name. exactly. You know
3: what's interesting about Gary Kubiak is uh, – and I looked this up. I didn't know this until about two hours ago when, I, when the news came out that they're honing in on Clint. And I looked up. I was like, oh, I wonder where, what Gary how, when Gary got into coaching and if they ever he ever crossed paths with Dennis Allen or whatever – uh, you go at uh, Gary Kubiak 1992 1993 running backs coach at Texas A&M. Uh-huh. <laughs> right? If you uh want to talk about the the Aggies roster in 1992, they had a they had a young uh, defensive back by the name of Dennis <laughs> Allen on the on that roster. So they did. They crossed paths at, at Texas A&M, which is really interesting. I don't know how well the, you know, a, a freshman safety uh knows the running backs coach, but it is interesting they were at the same program at the same time and Clint Kubiak also right. got his coaching start starting right at it, Texas A&M. Uh, in 2010 and 2011, he was uh, an offensive quality control assistant, right. which is a very vague term, but you know just does stuff grunt work, yeah. And then the next year, he was a grad assistant. So there's a lot of Texas A&M ties. We already have a lot of Texas A&M ties with the Saints, but those ju- that just continues, right?
1: Checking in with our Oakland Heart Jewelers talking text line, Jeff. We got James and Nola wanting to sound off about today's news. What you got for us I mean, now, James?
2: Hey guys, listen. I, I gotta give a salute to one of my favorite guys that calls in uh, to you guys quite frequently, and that's James from Jefferson. About what? Last Friday, Friday before last, he said Trent Kubiak because you know of all the guys, that last name Kubiak is gonna uh, be able to. He's gonna be able to get the, the running game going, and uh, I also think Greasy might have been a, a decent selection as well because when you look at Purdy, um, you know, his comp uh his comp grade and, uh, when he was drafted is not that much I mean it's pretty much the same as uh uh Hena, you know, so the you know, so I'm saying that to say that they know how to uh use the quarterback, put him in rhythm and stuff like that. But you guys is what happens to the old line coach well, I think has done a horrible job, uh, <laughs> it, 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 you know, uh, and and, per, and perhaps I'm I'm hoping that QBAC, uh is allowed to maybe look and, and find some linemen during free agency periods, period, some veterans that he's used to, and uh, I mean to be quite honest, uh, with Zach Robinson over in Atlanta, he beat the brakes off of DA uh, when he was with the uh, when he was with, uh, the OC with the Rams, so. I'm hoping that Dave is able to get a few guys in the draft because you're going to see a lot of uh, uh, a lot more of uh, Robinson uh, yeah. being used out of the backfield and stuff like that.
3: I think it, it is interesting. And the the fly in the ointment here is you can't really finalize this deal with Clint right. until after the Super Bowl, so there's going to be a little bit of lag time. And I do wonder if you do wait for him to be in house before you start having. So any, any down the road discussions on running backs, coach wide receivers, coach, if there are position coaches that you do want to change and that. And I think that's something that, you know, people were like, well, why didn't you move on from this guy? Why didn't you move on from this guy? I do think that to a certain extent, the new offensive coordinator is a guy you want in the building and making some determinations. Before you you make any decisions on how you want to form this offensive staff, so you know if the new offensive coordinator comes in and says, "Hey, I want my own guy here. I want my own guy here," right, which could very well happen. I don't think you're married to anybody in the on the offensive staff. Now, obviously, th- that's not necessarily going to be the case, you know. But I do think that when you are an offensive coordinator on a defensive head coach's staff, you have to have you have to have the ability to build your own staff in the way that this is you, what I need. Yes, <laughs> and. You know, you can you can maybe have some discussions and like you know sell them on somebody or do that, but I don't like the idea of bringing in a guy and saying no, you have to have this guy, you have to have this guy, you have to have this guy if they don't feel like they're going to work well together. So I do think that's going to be an interesting thing that develops over the next few weeks. And you saw like you know Dennis Allen last year, he rebuilt his defensive staff, and I like the way he rebuilt it. I think there's a lot of really good uh, coaches on the defensive staff that were brought in last year. I really like Joe Woods. I like guys like that. Yeah, Marcus Robertson, I thought, did a great job with the defensive back. So, hey, look
1: at Paulson Debo's year, right? Exactly.
3: So, yeah, I mean, I think – I don't know. You know, it's tough to really – there's so many assistant coaches out there that you could look at and guys that I'm sure are on a short list. But, you know, running backs coach is one that, I, that I'm that i really intrigued about because he's got to come in and work with Alvin Kamara, you know, and he's a veteran running back. You want to find a system that works for him. So, uh, it's going to be interesting.
1: Yeah, I would imagine, like you said, it's going to take some time there too because nothing can become official till after the bowl – And then I would imagine Kubiak is going to have some things that he's going to want for his staff if he's truly building out his offense here in New Orleans. And like you said, D.A.'s got no hand in it.
3: Well, and another thing, you know, what if he wants to poach some 49ers assistants, right? (laughs) Oh, darn. You you can't do that until after the Super Bowl (laughs) either. And, you know, we saw what happened with Sean when he went to to Denver, obviously. And you're not talking about, yeah, he's going to take their offensive line coach. He's going to take the this or that. But, you know, some of these assistants that he's been working with closely...
1: Could be getting promotions, yeah, right? Yeah, right.
3: Like, oh, this guy would make a great running... Look at uh, Declan Doyle. Yes. You know, he's the Broncos' tight ends coach. He was an offensive assistant with the Saints.
1: Great point, and right. And they
3: couldn't have just hired him as an offensive assistant. They they hired him for a, for a promotion. Same thing with Zach Streep, so... You know, I, I do think that's going to be really interesting to watch over the
1: next few weeks. I wonder if you could get really technical and cheesy with something like that, a hiring process. And if he was an offensive assistant, say in Denver, if we wanted him to bring him in and make him a senior offensive it, assistant.
3: Yeah, I, I don't know about that. Uh, it's, it gets technical. I think, right. Like, it's, I think a lot of it is not necessarily like, oh, there's a button you press that says no. <laughs> it's like, okay, like we have some standards that you have to, you know, accept. And then if someone does something shady and you can file, you know, file a grievance or whatever, like, I don't think there's this idea of like, Oh, like for example, Ryan Nielsen could get hired to be the Falcons defensive coordinator because a defensive coordinator who calls plays is viewed as a promotion from a position where you are a co-defensive coordinator or just a defensive coordinator who doesn't call plays. So like, that's kind of a, a little nuance, but you know, I, I think there's some generally accepted ideas of like what's reasonable and what's not.
1: Well, next segment, time to get into our Senior Bowl Talk, Jeff. You were out there for a couple of days. We're going to go into some of the practices and what you saw out there. Also, Joe DeLeon, college football and NFL draft analyst at the Believe Podcast Network will join us right here on WWL after the break. Stay tuned. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced.
0: Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game.
1: Get into our Senior Bowl talk that's brought to you by For the Spirit of First American, a banking tradition since 1910. Happy to welcome in Joe DeLeon, co- uh, college football and NFL draft analyst at the Believe Podcast Network. How you been, Joe? Uh,
0: good, good. It's uh, always an exciting time of year when the Senior Bowl uh, wraps up. It's the it's the key indicator that it's draft season, so <laughs> always excited to see how things turn out, and it was a pretty fun uh, Fun week of practices that happened in Mobile.
1: I was wondering, did you end up with sunburn on one half of your head? Because <laughs> my partner over here, Jeff Nowak, he ended up with uh, his left side got toasted a little bit more than the right.
0: Yeah, the uh, the sun was a lot lot stronger than it typically uh <laughs> Than it typically is there in Mobile this time of year, which is which is surprising. <laughs> I
3: just thought it was funny because you could tell who was the media by the sunburn on the left side of their face, and you, you know the guys on the other side of the stadium had it on the right side of their face. They're more important than we are, but let's, uh, <laughs> let's get into it. You know, uh, one thing about this draft that I think this draft class that I think became really clear this week, if it wasn't already, there's was a lot of really intriguing offensive line prospects, and a lot of them were in Mobile. Right, Taliese Fuanga, Tyler Guyton, Jordan Morgan, and, and and even then, there's just a lot of names after I'm just curious if there were any offensive line prospects that you went in there and were surprised by that maybe you didn't expect to look as good as they did. Cause I just thought that's the group that, you know, if you're a team looking for offensive line help, this is the year.
0: Yeah, I think that the the one guy in particular that you just mentioned was Tyler Guyton from Oklahoma. He was the guy who I had graded as my seventh rated offensive tackle because I knew coming into the week that this is a a very long and athletic former tight end uh, that was playing tackle who this was really his first full season as a starter at Oklahoma uh, after he ends up taking the job from Anton Harrison who was uh, a first-rounder last year. And I wanted to see coming into the week how was he going to show up, how physical could he look because there were some, not concerns, but expectations that his upper body strength isn't to where it needs to be. But one thing I saw is while that work and that refinement is going to come with time, he's got tools that you can't coach. Tremendous mobility. Uh, his base was, was fantastic. And then being six foot seven with the arm length that he brings to the position, I think maybe in a year or so, if you give him some time to develop, he could be a really good starting tackle in the NFL. But fan bases need to be patient with him. This is, is not going to be a guy who steps in right away and plays at a very high level because he does need to work on his technique, and he does need to add some more power to his profile.
3: You know, uh, and you know, kind of just shifting t- across from that to a guy that I saw beat Tyler Gutton pretty clean and is really intriguing to me as a guy that I thought really helped his draft stock this week was Darius Robinson, you know, 6'5", 284. He just, I think he just, you know, you you look at some of the reviews on what he was able to do. and can line up anywhere. I mean, <laughs> I, I think that guy's going to end up being a top 15 pick when it's all said and done. What do you think?
0: Yeah, I had a feeling that was who you were going to say as soon as you started leading that in. (laughs)
3: Darius Robinson is a a guy who, like, started the week not
0: slow but quietly. We we were talking about a lot of other players, and then as the week progressed, he just started to build more and more momentum. This edge class, it's not tremendously talented. This isn't like the past couple of years. There's a bit of a, you know, who's who of who ends up being that, that top edge rusher. So he could end up going a lot earlier than I think a lot of people uh, might have as expected, but you guys talked about, he can play a number of different positions The Missouri. They had to move around in a bunch of different shades. And then finally this year he was playing mostly on the outside and was much more productive. And then we saw at the senior bowl this week that they were having him rush, uh, you know, from a three technique and then moving him and having him rush uh, as a defensive end and the ways that he was able to display the the power that he has. He's got very, underrated bend for the position which is important for edge rushers but i love the 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 technique and the hand fighting ability that he brings to the position i think outside of lietu latu who is in a completely different stratosphere of technician I, i think that darius robinson was uh that second best guy in terms of just being the most technically sound well coached edge rusher that was in mobile
3: you mentioned Latu, and I well, I got a chance to talk to him at the at, – not on the field, but at the kind of breakfast at 3.30 p.m., which is what they still called it, which I thought was funny. Uh, and his frame really was interesting to me because I expected him to be a much bigger guy. He's very long. And I'm just curious, yeah, what, what do you see from him? Because uh, w- watching the Saints, you see a lot of the frame of a Darius Robinson. You don't see as many of those long edge rushers the way Latu is. What did you see from him specifically?
0: Yeah, is a really interesting player in this class because – and it kind of goes in, the, in line with this conversation of how the edge class is going to shape out because there's, there's two guys in particular with uh, Dallas Turner from Alabama yeah. and Jared Burst from Florida State who are just super twitched up, super just traitsy players that are, are kind of developing um, their technique. But then you go to Lie Latsu, who's maybe not as twitchy and as you're talking about, he's not this hulking mass. He's not this massive player. But the way that he wins is through effort – It's through his motor, playing through the whistle. Uh, You see that all the time on film, and then you saw that come to reality in Mobile. The way that I know that a guy is just tremendously well-coached and just really gifted with his reactiveness and his decision-making as a pass rusher is watching how they counter when their initial move doesn't work. And it happened multiple times during the week that he was – the couple times where you kind of were watching, you're thinking like, oh, he's about to lose this rep. He had an amazing counter move that was unblockable for some of these these tackles, and I think that has put him into a completely separate category. I feel like Latu has solidified being a late first round pick, but things that are going to complicate it are his medical background and and having to uh, medically retire at one point is going to make things really tricky. We did see uh, with Phillips a few years ago, former Miami and UCLA edge rusher who had something similar and still went in the first round. I think Latsu could maybe overcome that, but he was just a, a phenomenal football player who was really fun to watch.
1: Joe, looking at some uh, two local guys from Tulane, curious what you thought uh, from this week's uh, practices of Michael Pratt and also Jaquan Jackson.
0: Yeah, Jackson was a very underrated player for the receivers, and there's just so much receiver talent, so it's easy to get lost in the shuffle uh, with all of those guys that were performing at the receiver position, but just a very quick, shifty, explosive guy that could be some great day three value for a team that's looking for maybe that fourth or fifth receiver on their roster. But Michael Pratt, I was really impressed. I think that if you look at the rest of this quarterback group, for the most part, it was, it was unimpressive and inconsistent at times. Bo Nix, you know, started the week a little slow and then finished strong, and Michael Penix flashed his arm strength. But at the same time, uh, those inconsistencies that showed up thrown to the middle of the field appeared on the in the practices during the week. But with Michael Pratt, I knew coming into this week that he was the most steady guy. I knew that he was always going to, you know, make the right decision. He was always going to deliver the ball with, with great accuracy where it needs to be. Um he's not the most athletically gifted quarterback of the group by any means, but because he's so steady and consistent, I think that's going to help carve out a role for him in the NFL for a very long time. It is hard to find a good backup quarterback that a team can draft and rely on when a starter goes down. And I think that Michael Pratt is eventually uh, going to be that type of a player in the league. And I kind of compare him to maybe being like Kirk cousins, who cousins was drafted just to be a backup. And now we see that he has become an important part of the success for the Minnesota Vikings. Pratt has that capability. He might not step onto the field and play at an MVP type of a level, but he's good enough to win football games. I think maybe a few years later on into his career.
3: You know, one of, the, one of the things I appreciate about the Senior Bowl is you get a chance to see some of these lower-level prospects that, you know, a lot of it's like, I think this guy's good, but you don't see him against the top-end competition, so it's tough to it's tough to tell. And guys, like, show up and you're like, who is that? And you go look him up and you start looking at their background. And one of the guys for me that I thought had a really good week and is, is intriguing, you know, maybe a UDFA latch onto a roster is uh, Dylan Laub, the running back out of New Hampshire. And he was just making plays, right? And I talked to him. And uh, I asked him who his game is kind of reminiscent of, and he said he said Christian McCaffrey. But I also I asked him if he had run that by Luke McCaffrey, who was also there, and he said no. So I start to wonder if maybe he doesn't want to get told that it's not him. But the guy I would comp him to, and I think is a lot more reasonable, is Danny Woodhead, another guy who yeah. came from a lower level, and they do a lot of the same things. And what he said to me was like, "Yeah, if Danny was playing in the league today, he would be crushing it because the way the NFL game is played now, it just you you want that guy, you want that that fire hydrant who can catch the ball, and just does everything, all the little things. And I thought Dylan was that guy. My prediction is that he ends up having the you know leading in total yards because this just seems like an event that's built for him. I'm curious if you had any thoughts on Dylan. And in general, was there anyone that kind of came out of the woodwork uh, that you that you think really showed themselves well this week?
0: yeah, Laub actually I think really definitely fits that that category you're saying here of a guy who popped up through the woodwork and he was somebody who I'd been tracking uh this whole season I, I played football in the CAA, which was the conference that that he played in and I played plenty of unH teams that gave uh gave my Rhodey Rams a pretty tough battle and it, it's it's not surprising that they've got a really well-coached running back like Laub who played the way that he did this week. And I really like that that comp to Danny Woodhead. The other one that my co-host Brian Roberts had given on the show was that it uh, kind of gives the, the James White type of a feel. And if Bill Belichick and Josh McDaniels were still running the Patriots, he probably would end up <laughs> beating a, a Patriot if we're – you know, probably put some money down on that and it would probably end up hitting. But um, you hit the nail on the head there where he's not going to be the type of running back that I'm going to rely on – Uh, between the tackles and on every single down. He's just not really built for that. He's not really strong in those short areas. He's not going to, you know, pound for extra yards. But for the modern NFL where you've got these guys that can be motioned into the slot on third down, you can have them uh, run screens. You can have them run flare routes and wheel routes and get open and kill you in space. He's exactly the type of guy that you want to need. Uh, for that type of a role and, and we the thing that excited me the most that we got to see is that he was uh, playing in the one-on-one reps against the dbs right. and he was creating really easy separation against those guys so yeah so what you brought up lab was one of the guys that i really enjoyed watching this week and i think he could be a little bit of a surprise player that goes somewhere on day three and ends up being a a nice piece for a team that's in the playoffs next year
3: I agree completely. Uh, you know, my, my last question, and this is kind of open ended, you know, it's not a banner tight end class at all, but it, this is the type of year where there's going to be one or two guys that you're not talking about, but show up and you're like, who is that guy? And you're like, well, you should have been paying attention. And I'm just curious, who would be your top tight end? Who are you most impressed with at the tight end position out of this year's senior bowl class?
0: Yeah, I think it, without a doubt it was Theo Johnson from Penn State. He is going to go to the combine and into exactly what you're saying there. He's going to be the guy that everyone during the week at the combine is going to be like, who, who is this? This guy ran a, a high 4'4", he ran a 4'5", and he's 260 pounds. And he's going to test so well in all of the, the testing drills. He might even have, outside of Brock Bowers, which I don't know if, if Bowers will even end up testing. Uh, that remains to be seen. He doesn't really need to Uh, But Johnson could end up having the best testing numbers out of any of the tight ends if that does end up happening. I kind of compared to, and I said on my show this week, that I felt like he could maybe be this year's uh, Sam Laporta that into next season, uh, in the first seven weeks of the year, he's on a team that loves to utilize their tight ends and get them involved into the passing game. And he just ends up being that go-to dump-off threat uh, when things break down like Sam Laporta was for Jarek Goff. And we'll be saying in week 10, like, how the heck did this guy end up falling through the cracks? And why is he doing so well? Uh, I definitely think that that, that descriptor is, is perfect for, uh, for Theo Johnson from Penn State.
1: Always great, Jeff. Stuff, uh, great stuff from you, Joe. Appreciate the time. And no, we'll be talking to you more with the draft, obviously, around the corner.
0: Of course. Thanks for having me, guys.
1: That's hey, college sir. football and NFL draft analyst Joe DeLeon. You can find his work at the Believe Podcast Network. When we get back, we'll hear Jeff Nowak's one-on-one with Tulane wide receiver Jaquan Jackson right here on WWL. We'll be right back.
0: We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof?
1: We're back here on Sports Talk doing some more Senior Bowl coverage brought to you by the Spirit of First American Bank, a banking tradition since 1910. St. Sideline reporter Jeff Nowak, who is here co-hosting today, was out there at the Senior Bowl practices taking it all in. Got a chance to talk with Tulane wide receiver Jaquan Jackson, and here's how things went. Jeff Nowak here with former Tulane standout Jaquan Jackson. And Jaquan, you know,
3: I've, I've had a few people tell me that you're this year's tank Dell. And when you hear people say
4: that, What is your reaction? Um, No, it's a blessing to be like that. You know, what Tank did at Houston when we played him last year and for all the years that he did, you know, like the journey that he he had, it was amazing, you know, just watching him uh, each and every year dominate, dominate, dominate. Now he got the chance to play on a uh, professional level and still do the same thing what he do like he was a little kid, just making plays with C.J. Stroud back there, throwing it to him and just got the connection, you know, that me and Pratt had at Tulane. So it was just amazing. It's crazy that we signed with the same agency. So, um, you know, we got a little bond connected just talking to each other every now and then. I try not to bother them too much, but it's just just amazing to see how his process went and how he's doing, you know.
3: Yeah, Gene, how how has this process gone for you so far? Have you identified some things that, you know, have have any teams kind of given you things that, you need to look at that you need to work on or
4: what are you focused on this week? Well, I'm really focused on um, my goal was just to come down here and just do what I do best you know um, I'm not going to change it because it's a big stage you know and a lot of scouts out there I'm going to just act like they're not there and just make the plays you know um, but the biggest thing I want to give a shout out to the senior bowl and Jim gym nagging the staff for uh, Doing this for us, you know, it's amazing and giving us the opportunity to perform in front of all thirty-two teams and just, you know, show what we can do. You know, not too many people get this opportunity, but the people that's here, I would say, don't take it for granted. You know, but um, just going one day at a time. You know, I tell Michael probably each and every morning when we wake up, I'm like, man, this is this worse than fall camp, but it's a grind, though. You know, it's like this is what football is as a business. Can you really? sustain the whole practice and means and all that and can your body hold up you know if you can't you know you, you're going to get cut but at the end of the day but you know how that go
3: how how helpful is it to have Mike here and to be able to kind of bounce things off each other? And even in those one-on-ones, I know he talked about it yesterday. When you when you guys paired up, you were two for two, right? That's got to help in terms of you know how he likes to deliver the ball. He like he knows how you like to run routes. Yeah, how helpful is
4: that? Oh, man, it's real helpful, you know. I, we, we uh, Staying together in the hotel, like with my roommate, so we go over to plays at night. And, you know, sometimes we don't add and, like, we don't line up as – we're on the field at the same time. You know, I'm with the other quarterbacks. The other quarterback's great, too. You know, they're all great. The hero, it wouldn't be here if it wasn't great, you know. But, you know, he always in my ear. I'm always in his ear asking questions and making sure that we're on the same page and, like, knowing what we're doing and just making sure, you know. We had, like, two days to learn and install, you know. That's quick. You know, in college, you probably get it a week before, and then the next week you start doing it and slow right. into it. But you hitting the ground running. And that's the difference between college and professional.
3: Yeah, and this it's really not senior bowl related but the what you and Mike and the rest of your team were able to accomplish the last 2 years has been incredible really. And you know, obviously Willie's out and out going to Houston now, but do you feel like what y'all have been able to build kind of the culture of winning which is a lot more important than I think a lot more difficult to build than I think a lot of people would think it is from the outside, right? Like how, do you feel like that culture at Tulane that y'all have been able to build is something that'll last well beyond y'all being there?
4: Yes, sir. Um, just going back to Coach Frisk. Coach Fritz came out to watch us today, you know. Um, he uh, got the job at Houston and um, took some of the coaches, you know. Um, by the end of the day, man, a lot of people don't know about Coach Frisk. He, he won at every level that he's been on, you know. It probably took him some time, but at the end of the day, he rather waited out and just like develop players to so they could be four stars and five stars at the end of the day but you know he gave me an opportunity to play at Tulane for five years and um I thank him each and every day that uh uh, giving me the opportunity to play you know but what he did at Tulane was crazy he got that 2014 from Georgia Southern and just from that year on and starting like progress progress first bowl game in a while the next bowl game the next bowl game then we went back down to two and ten But then when we got Kirk Hester, the strength coach, who's a really good strength coach and have a really great strength staff, we built that brotherhood that we didn't have to come together. So he was like the glue to put us together and once we got that that's why we went 12-2 and two and 11-2 and two, you know and what as two days ago um, John Summerall the new head coach came through um, watched us practice and talked to us you know he's a great coach as you can see he's he very energetic and he's all about business and he got his staff over there but I know them guys going to do what they do we set the culture and the standard there now they just got to go out there and finish the coach is going to give them the blueprint they just got to go execute it
3: Gotcha. And his last question, you know, Tajay was a guy who came here last year and really elevated his, his brand in terms of people really came out of this week, knowing who he was and what he was all about. What were your thoughts
4: on his rookie season this year? And what do you, what do you think he's destined for in the NFL? Oh, he had a great season, you know, um, that's my, my right hand man, since I got in college, you know, he came yesterday just to see me and Michael, you know, um, Soon we're gonna be getting training off season. You know, um, he you know he just got finished with the uh, NFL, but his first season was great. You know, um, he probably wish he could have had done better from the players that he had, but at the end of the day it's football. You always, it's not gonna pop, you know, I tell him, and we both criti- criticize both each other just to make sure that we make sure we go even harder. But at the end of the day, you know, he's a hardworking person, he's a leader, and he's always confident. He he anybody that meet him, you know, he's gonna impact on somebody's life no matter what he does, on the field or off the field. So he's a special kid and um I can't wait to see what he do this year.
1: That was two-lane wide receiver Jaquan Jackson. And overall, what did you think of his week at practices, Jeff?
4: I think Jaquan is just a a great
3: dude. I mean, you know, he's really an exciting player to watch. I I don't know if – you know, like there's the comp to tank Dell, and I think it's fair, They, you know, both AAC guys, right, both guys who – probably needed to come to this to go to the senior bowl and really prove to people that they could hold up against yeah. some of these top end prospects. And he, he does they do a lot of the same things. I think Tank was a little bit more of a refined route runner. Jaquan I think has a lot of these moves, but he doesn't necessarily use them to set people up the way he probably could. Right there were times that he would beat someone clean and then run right back to him because he didn't expect to beat him or like it you know I, I think there's something that he can learn in terms of leveraging yourself and your move against the opponent and how they're playing. And it just seemed like he was kind of running routes on air, but there was a defender there, (laughs) Uh, but no, he's a, he's a good player. And I think he's going to have a really, really good opportunity to latch on at the NFL level. And you you heard it in that interview, you know, he's he's a great talker. The funny thing is I was looking for him in the, in the room to interview him and I couldn't find him. And I was wandering around and I I go outside and I'm like, okay, I got to get back. I got to send an audio. I got to get ready to do a hit (laughs) on, on WWL. And I walk out, and there's this guy kind of peering in the room. And I walk by him, and I do a double take. I'm like, Jaquan, what are you doing? And he, he just clearly did not want to go in there. You know, he, I don't think he really wanted to be part of the, you know, just so much. There's a lot of people, and he was just like, do I have to? Uh, but, like, you heard him. Like, he has no problem talking. And he's, you know, I just think he has a really in, in, intriguing personality. And, I, and that's a lot of what you know more so than the game you know people say oh why why don't you stay for the game like i tell people like the game is for the players <laughs> the game the scouting part of it is really throughout the week and the part people don't see is the interviews right every player meets with every team and you kind of get you know like speed dating like you get this idea of who each player is and that's important i don't know if a lot of people recognize how much value teams put on personality and and how much you enjoy the game do you love the game of football or do you just play it Right. And some people do. Some people don't, you know, and and that makes a difference. Like people, it's easy to say, like, these guys are on autopilot. The talent takes over. But at a certain point, you got to do the work and you got to work harder than everybody else. Everyone at the NFL level is great. They wouldn't have made it if they weren't great. But are you going to do the work once you get to that level to make yourself elite? And, you know, I think Jaquan is one of those players who's going to work. He's going to do that work. Uh, One thing I'll mention before we before we go to break is uh, before two, before Willie Fritz departed for Houston, uh, he sat down with Jeff Ireland in the scouting department and gave him the lowdown on all the Tulane players who uh, are coming out. So if the Saints are looking to draft a Tulane kid, they have a lot of that information straight from the, the head coach. Um, so yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if they take a look at Jaquan if he gets into the fifth or sixth round
1: it would be interesting, too. I know Michael Pratt could be a possibility, but you already have a backup in Jay yeah. Kaner right now you're gro- yeah. that you're grooming behind Carr. people
3: mention that. I just think, yeah, I would like Michael Pratt, but in terms of a developmental prospect, I don't like him more than Jay Kaner, so I feel like that's unlikely. But I do think that he's going to land somewhere, and he's going to get a chance to compete.
1: Want to hear from you on the Oakland Heart Jewelers Talk and Text Line. It's 504-260-1870. Talking Saints, Pelican, Senior Bowl, whatever you want. Just call in. We'll be right back with more right here on WWL. Looking at the oakenhard Jewelers Talk and Text Line from eighty nine forty two. If and when it does happen that Clint Kubiak gets hired by the Saints as offensive coordinator, does it close the door on John Gruden joining the team, or could he still be a senior consultant? Good question.
3: I never thought that John Gruden, as the offensive coordinator, made a time was of a real sense. deal, right? For, I agree. I mean, we th- we've talked about yes. this on this show, like and the podcast and the podcast, which inside I, yeah, black and, heard and it's gold. pretty good. You could check it out. Um, like I never, saw, <laughs> I don't think he, he, uh, John Gruden is an offensive coordinator in the NFL. He's a head coach, or he wants to get his foot in the door and just kind of reestablish himself in the NFL. And so I don't know. I think a lot would depend on. Clint Kubiak and I don't know much about Clint Kubiak in terms of who he might want to be on his offensive staff but I do think it's a lot more likely that if you add John Gruden to the staff it is as senior offensive consultant or something like that rather than offensive coordinator I really do I never really saw that as a not even because the Saints wouldn't want him to lead their offense just like I just don't think that's a role like again and this is my example and I'll use it again would Sean Payton ever be an offensive coordinator in the NFL? Heck no. No. Never even consider it. No one would even ask, right? Like, no one would even be like, hey, Sean, you want like, – he'd be like, what, 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 do, you, what do you think what, – what is you this? You want to do what? Do you even know me, <laughs> right? So, so yeah, I think it's possible. Um, you know, I think he'd, he'd have to wrap up his lawsuit against the NFL, and we'll see how that goes, but – you know, I'm not I'm not holding my breath for it, but I'm also not saying it's impossible.
1: Yeah, to me, the, the Gruden role as a consultant makes way more sense because, like you said, he's been an established head coach, a Super Bowl, you know, uh, coach. There's no way I don't think he's ready to go back into an offensive coordinator role. And plus, for me, overall, I think it's just better off as a – and a, a consultant helping out Derek Carr, not an everyday kind of uh, presence around and, the team.
3: And let me put it this way, as far as John Gruden is concerned, the first step for him, if he wants to get a head coaching <laughs> job again, he has to reestablish himself as a non-pariah in the NFL. Right. And how do you do that? You take a role. You don't necessarily take an offense coordinator job. You take a role with the team. So it, it's possible. I'm not going to bet on it. But it's possible.
1: Hear what Bobby Abear has to say about Clint Kubiak joining the Saints right after news here on WWL. We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for 25 bucks per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch.